Good morning. Uh, this morning's uh, scripture reading will be Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is the word of the Lord. We have been doing some traveling this summer as a church family, have we not? And uh, that has been traveling through the Psalms, and that journey concludes today, at least in the corporate expression of it. Many of you hopefully are motivated to travel through many other of the Psalms that we have not studied in detail in this time together. Uh, Pastor Jeff will be back with us as E.B. announced, uh, launching that mini-series on the subject of the Lord's Prayer. And uh, so I have the privilege of concluding this study of the Psalms this morning. As Jeff sent a text this morning, assuring me that he is praying for him. I did accuse him of a certain strategy that might be hidden to some, and that this would be his final way with having me preach today, of making sure you appreciated him when he came back. I think it's excellent strategy, uh, shows the wisdom of the pastor that we have, and I want to just add this personal word from he and Robin, uh, and I was able to share this with our, many of our church leaders as we gathered on Wednesday evening. Prior to the last three weeks, they have felt deeply loved and valued by this church family. It has gone to a whole nother level through the many ways in which you have chosen to support them, encourage them love on them through a host of different kinds of expressions. And it's a long list of ways in which this church family have loved on our pastor, his wife, and their children. And so they are excited to be back. We're excited to have them back. And God has used these last few weeks very meaningfully and in a most encouraging and uplifting way for them. You've been such a direct part of that. So thank you on their behalf uh, as a fellow member of yours. I, I'm just Proud to be associated with you guys. Job well done. And so just as a bonus for that, I made it easy for the uh, sermon today. If you'll take out your notes that are inserted in the bulletin, the very first paragraph, you already have. You already know what the first part of the sermon is going to be. I thought we'd just uh, have that in writing. So here is the introduction to today's message on Psalm 67. Summer is about travel. And the study portion of our summer worship services has involved traveling through the psalms. Today's psalm spotlights the very purpose for which we exist as a body of Christ followers and for which God has entrusted us with the gospel. If you're sensing from that statement that I believe that the study of this psalm and the contents of this psalm are incredibly important, you, you've rightly discerned that. It makes abundantly clear what God wants to be the major theme, the primary motivation, and the driving force of our lives. That's pretty important. That makes the understanding of Psalm 67 
very important. And I want to set the stage for our understanding of this psalm by noting that in Genesis 1, in other words, from the very beginning, we are informed that God has a twofold purpose for creating us. Follow along in your notes, and, and that will be very helpful uh, this morning. First, He created us to enjoy His grace. God created you, He created me, to enjoy His grace. You realize that of all that God created, only people were made in His image. Nothing else did he say was made in his image? And that means that we alone, as people, as human beings, have this incredible capacity to enjoy deep relationship with him. That's something to treasure. And so it should not surprise us that the first word that is used to describe that relationship is the word blessing. God blessed mankind. He blessed you. He blessed me. Not because of any accomplishment on our part, not because of any inherent worth within us, but simply and totally out of His pure grace. God created you to enjoy His grace. Significantly, there in Genesis 1.28, God immediately followed His blessing, as He often does, with a command. Because of this, so this. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Can you see from this that God gave us His image for a reason? That reason is that we might multiply His image throughout the world. God has blessed us with being created in His image so that we will multiply His image throughout the world. He created Human beings, like you and me, not only to enjoy His grace in a relationship with Him, but also so that, an expression you may hear once or twice today, so that we might extend His glory across the world, in our neighborhoods and throughout the nations. We're not only created to enjoy His grace, we're created to enjoy His grace so that we could extend His glory to the ends of the earth. Did you realize that the entire Bible, no matter where you're reading, it revolves around this twofold purpose? That might help to give you a greater understanding as you are reading in any portion of Scripture, in every genre of biblical literature, in every stage of human history, we view God pouring out His grace upon His people so that, and for the sake of the rest of the world, so that that grace will be displayed, so that grace will be proclaimed in every reach across this vast globe. For example, quick survey here of Old Testament Scripture. In Genesis 12, God forms His people by saying to Abraham, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Do you think that's the end of it? No, it's not. So that you will be a blessing. So that you will be a blessing. Then God connects this promise to Abraham with a deeper purpose for that blessing. Verse 3, 
of Genesis 12. I just read verse 2. This is verse 3. In, all, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God blesses Abraham abundantly, not merely for Abraham's sake, but so that he will be a conduit of God's blessing to all the peoples of the earth. So that. Furthermore, the self-exalting purpose of God is on display in the redemption of his people from Egypt. Immediately following the Exodus, you recall one of the, the best remembered and most celebrated stories of all of Old Testament Scripture, how God led them to the shore of the Red Sea, his people, with the Egyptian soldiers on their heels and nowhere else to turn. And God's motive is clearly stated in Exodus 14.4 when he says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. There is the so that of all of the event, the, the miracle uh, that God performed in leading his people out of slavery and into freedom to the promised land. Why did God miraculously part the waters, lead his people through the Red Sea, just as this is dry carpet, that was dry land that they walked across, got to the other side. Why did God do that? And why did God cause those waters as they rushed back together to swallow up the Egyptian soldiers? So that he would gain glory for himself. Again, Exodus 14.4, the last part. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Do you think the word traveled pretty fast about that one? Far and wide? I would have to think so. No other event in history could be comparable to that. And so news traveled fast. God blessed his people in a miraculous way so that his salvation would be known among all peoples. Yes, the Egyptians and all the nations after them knew that He is God. He is Lord. And He saves His people. And that reason is so that others would know the kind of God that He is. Throughout the Old Testament, verse after verse, reveals that God is in the business of blessing His people in remarkable ways so that... His goodness and greatness will be known among all peoples, that it will be known to the very ends of the earth. Numerous psalms, we've been traveling through them, we've already indicated that. Numerous psalms speak of God guiding His people for His name's sake and blessing His people in the most unusual and in the most dramatic and in the most amazing ways so that his ways would be known among all nations. Psalm 67 is one of those psalms. Now before commenting on the psalm further, I want to complete this rapid overview of the scriptural explanation of God's rationale for creating you and me. While we're still in the Old Testament, please note that the prophets of the Old Testament consistently depict the mercy of God. What a, what a great attribute of God that we, we count on, we depend upon moment by moment in every day. 
So not just the people of old, but people like you and me that are here today. Those prophets would depict the mercy of God that consistently was extended to His people so that they would witness to the nations that He is Lord and that He is a merciful Lord. For example, in Ezekiel, God is addressing a very common subject, the subject of God's people sinning against Him. There's no shortage of Scripture about that. Listen to Ezekiel's description of the reason for what he did, what God did among the people of Israel. This is Ezekiel 36, verses 22 and 23. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, this is his message to Ezekiel, say to them, Thus says the Lord, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned. It's kind of like if you didn't get it the first time. It's been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness in their eyes. That is an incredible and an absolutely insightful declaration. God states that when He acts among His people, He does not show His grace, His mercy, and His justice for their sake, but for the sake of His own holy name. Yet another, so that. Significantly, this global purpose of God that is evident in the history, the writings, and the the prophets of the Old Testament, it carries right on into the New Testament. We come to the end of the Gospels. And there is Jesus ending His time on earth by commanding His followers, that's us, to take the Gospel to the ends of the earth. That's the command. The letters of the New Testament are filled with the same purpose as we can look closely into those letters and we observe people like Paul and Peter and James and John just nurturing and shepherding and guiding and protecting that very early church, that very vulnerable church, guiding them through persecution and through suffering to spread the glory of God to the nations. And God even allowed that suffering and that persecution so that people who didn't know Him would see Him on display in the lives of the people, His followers who endured such difficult times. So, based upon what I've pointed out thus far, is it really any wonder when we come to the very last book of the Bible, we see the culmination of this twofold purpose that I identified at the very beginning and that emerges right there in the pages of Genesis 1. Listen to these words from Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. After this I looked. This is one of those passages that, that can't help but pump us up. Okay, we've got to hear these now and then. We go through some, some rugged times, don't we? Uh, here's your spiritual pump 
for today. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That is precisely what is going to be taking place at the end of our history on this planet. In the beginning of earthly history, God's purpose was to bless His people so that all peoples would glorify Him for His salvation. That's what we've said thus far in this message. And now at the end, God's purpose is fulfilled. Try to just picture that because it will be so incredibly uplifting and it will help unpack the very nature of the mission that God has given to you. Here it is at the very end of history. And according to what Revelation says, there will be individuals from every nation, every tribe, every people group, every language, people from all of those. And you wonder why the world has not come to an end yet today. There are thousands of unreached people groups yet. History will not conclude until all have been reached. Scripture says there will be some from every nation, every tribe, every tongue. They will gather together. They're bowing down around the throne of God, singing praises to the one who has blessed them with salvation. Folks, this is the final, uh, the ultimate, the all-consuming, the glorious global purpose of God in the Bible. So please listen very carefully. Time to write something down again. God blesses His people with extravagant grace so that they might extend His extravagant glory to the peoples of the earth. God blesses you with extravagant grace so that you would extend His extravagant glory to others, even to the ends of the earth. Folks, what I'm saying, what I'm repeating actually, is that this basic fundamental truth permeates every part of the Bible. Every book that is in there, it's this purpose and this basic truth is there. And so it's on that basis that I say to you today, the message of biblical Christianity is not that God loves you. And I'm not calling that truth into question. He's made it pretty clear that He loves us. But that's not the heart and the essence. It is not the completed gospel. It is a portion of the gospel. The message is that God loves you so that you might make His name known. You might make known the reality of who He is and what He is like to others. So that you would put on display through your words, through your actions, His wisdom, His mercy, His power, His love, His grace, His greatness to the ends of the earth. Remember God's words in Ezekiel. He saves us not for our sakes, 
but for the sake of his holy name. I hope you're grasping that today. That's why um, I'm willing to do repetition. I don't learn any differently. I realize my head might be thicker than some of yours, but um, since the Bible repeats it so much, I think there's good wisdom for us to repeat it. We have received salvation so that God's name will be proclaimed among the nation. God loves us for his sake in the world. Now, the backdrop, here's the good news. You're saying, oh my gosh, if that is just the introduction to Psalm 67, we got a problem here. Um, it is more than that. It is not just a backdrop. It is, goes a long way in explaining Psalm 67. So take a sigh of relief at this point. But what that backdrop pulls into focus for each of us, the message of Psalm 67. Like several portions of other psalms recorded in the Old Testament, it's a prayer that God would be praised among the nations. And as I read it once again, Lauren, thank you for doing that. We believe in repetition, right? So I'm going to read it again. Please know, note how it expresses the hope of the entire Old Testament, that which I've referred to, specifically that the blessings of forgiveness and salvation that God granted to Israel would eventually reach to every corner of the world, that it would reach every people group, group that is living on our vast planet. Not just for Israel, not just for those people, not for us, but for the ends of the earth. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face to shine upon us that your way, so that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Hmm. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the people with equity and you guide the nations on the earth. You're at work, God. You're up to something. You're on mission. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity, and you guide the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. I personally prefer in this one the, the rendering of the New American Standard Bible. It's the same idea, just because it throws in, not a so that, but essentially. So God blesses us so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Blessing came to Israel so that the nations of the earth would be reached. So I've laid out the context. Folks, I've basically given the essential message of what Psalm 67 is. So I'm going to move directly to the so what part of the message. In every message, there needs to be so what. So this is the so what of the so that. Are you ready for it? And I, please, endeavor to hear this clearly and embrace it enthusiastically. Every one of us, every one of us, who has been chosen to follow Jesus Christ and chosen to follow Him, has a role to play in the global spread of His gospel. 
there are no exceptions to this. Every one of us who said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, has a role. And it's a very important role. It might be a different role. have some different aspects than someone else. Bottom line is the same. But it will factor in to God's global spread of his gospel. Each of us is blessed by God so that we will be an instrument of his blessing. To follow Jesus is to, to heed the command to go. It is to be sent somewhere so that disciples will be made of those who do not yet know Jesus Christ. It is to say that every one of us here today, we're sent. We are by definition on mission with God. It may be to a certain segment of a population. It may be within a certain neighborhood. It may be as a part of a certain organization, at a given school, in a certain workplace, um, to a nation close by, to a nation far away. Each of us is sent. So the question is not if we are sent, but how and where. The Bible is unmistakably clear. Here's another note for your bulletin just that will reinforce what the consistent theme that uh, is woven all throughout Scripture is in your mind. The Bible is unmistakably clear that God's worldwide mission defines every believer's primary responsibility until Jesus returns. Every believer's. Not, not just the person that's down at the end of the row from you here today. You as well. It's my primary responsibility. It's your primary responsibility. Now, I want to kind of now shift gears a little bit as we're going to be in the, the home stretch here in just a moment, but kind of personalize it for, for me, for our church, and see how do we just really dig into that? How do we grab hold of the fact that this is such a central message and it, it, it's at the very core of who we are as a church. It, it defines why we are here, individually and as a church. I'm very thankful to communicate to you this morning uh, that the leadership of this church is wrestling with the question of what it should look like for us as a body of Christ's followers uh, and as individuals to be fully engaged in this very mission that God has for us. It's not like we're seeing a bunch of clear answers. I believe God has brought... Isn't it... Don't we want to say thank you to the Lord today? He's brought Bethany Church through some challenging struggles uh, in recent years. There's, there's some things that uh, just were hurtful to the cause of Christ, right? And um, there's always some fallout from that. But in spite of who we are, in spite of all the mistakes that we have made, here God brings us to a point where there is the kind of health that now makes it all the more possible for us to extend outward beyond these walls with a message that maybe is that much more believable because it's, it's being seen lived out in the lives of the flock that is here. But 
shame on us is the way we feel as, as leaders if we don't do our job of adequately equipping and preparing this church to be fully engaged in mission. He has done so much for us just in salvation terms alone, but then to restore health and, and all to the life of Bethany Church. And so we're asking what it should look like to move outward with the gospel as a body of believers. We do strongly oppose the idea that we're here merely to draw people inward, get some names on the membership roll, and then just provide some religious services to help enrich people's lives. Um, may we never be about that. We do not want to be about that, but there's always a gravitational pull that way that we have to resist that pull. Frankly, being transparent with you again, it troubles us as leaders, as it should you, that the church which Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18 is unstoppable. That's what Jesus said, right? The gates of hell won't even prevail against it. But what concerns us deeply, what it troubles us, is that the church in the Western Hemisphere, at least, not only can it be said that it is failing to advance, it actually appears to be losing ground. And so we're wanting to ask together, we must ask, what is holding that back? Are we holding that back? What, what must we do to fall completely in line with the call of God upon our lives to do the work He wants to do in us so that we can be the witness that He wants us to be? May God prepare Bethany Church to take some bold measures. May we recover the missional essence that is the DNA of Christ's church. May we fully embrace the fact that God formed His church for mission. It's not like He just decided, I think I'll form a church. I mean, gosh, it seems like a good idea. Got the church going, this is great. And then He realized, my word. Now I've got to have some reason for them to exist. I better figure out a purpose. No, God had a purpose from the outset. We've defined that this morning. Scripture has defined it for us. The mission is in place. Now, God has chose to form a people called a church to fulfill that very purpose. He formed a church so that the mission could be fulfilled. Do you realize that when God began his work in your life, when he brought you to salvation, he did not have only you in mind. He had your family, friends, your workplace, your neighborhood, your school, that club, that organization that you belong to. See, God has no interest in making you a gospel reservoir. He does want to make you a gospel river. He's not into the reservoir thing. He's big time into the river thing. And I'm going to add this as we're moving closer to that conclusion. And please, this is so important that you hear this. All too often, so yeah, great, are we pumped? Up? Man, God deserves our best. Let's go for it. All too often, though, our motivation to engage in the mission, to embrace it, to recover that missional essence, to, to volunteer for this, that, or the other, all too often, the motivation is guilt. 
Let me try to steer you away from that. And I apologize at this point in time if any way that I've communicated some of the truths, fortunately it hasn't changed the truths of Scripture, but if it's changed your understanding of it in a way that, man, you're, you're starting, the, the, the guilt engine is, is really starting to get revved up, I apologize for that. I in no way want that to take place. But let's face it. You're like me. We realize that each of us could do so much more with the three T's that God has given us, right? Time, talents, treasures. We understand this. We get it. We realize that. Let that be maybe a healthy motivation, a healthy sense of guilt. Um, but we, we, we so desperately want to see the gospel advanced locally and globally. And as we strive together to recover our, our missional essence as a church and pursue a high-level of obedience to it, I want to quote from a guy who I think it's, he's got it right, a, a church leader. I, I jotted down the way he expressed it in uh, a book that he wrote. He said, do these things, the very things that encompass the mission that I've identified. Do these things not because you have a low-grade sense of guilt that you ought to act. Got that on the one hand? That, that's where I've lived a lot, too much, in the Christian life. But do them because you have a high-grade sense of grace that makes you want to act. Do you, do you see that difference? One more time quickly. Do these things not because you have a low-grade sense of guilt that you ought to act, but do them because you have a high-grade sense of grace that makes you want to act. In other words, proper motivation for mission or outreach grows out of deep personal experience in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why Pastor Jeff takes us into the gospel every time that he is behind this lectern. Every time. When we're truly amazed at the grace that God demonstrated in saving us, we are willing to do so much more to bring his offer of salvation to others. We long to see the glory of our God spreading through our neighborhood, our schools, our workplaces, our city, and our world so that others may find in Christ what we have found in him. The Apostle Paul says it as well as about anybody could. And this is in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15. It goes a long way in explaining why Paul sacrificed so much for the gospel. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. He didn't say for the guilt of failing to be obedient to Jesus Christ just drives me. It's my motivation. He says, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I would put it this way. When the gospel, not guilt, but when the gospel has gripped your soul, it generates so much sacrifice for the mission that people really do wonder, why do you live in the way that you do? Why do you sacrifice in the way that you do? And one pastor put it this way, and you have it for your notes, the fire to do comes from being soaked in the fuel of what has been done. The fire to do, to be faithful to the Great Commission, comes from being soaked in the fuel of what 
Jesus Christ has already done. His completed work on the cross. This is to say that the deeper our awareness of what God has done for us, the greater will be our resolve to do the work of spreading His Gospel. In other words, the deeper we go in the Gospel, the higher we will soar in the mission. I don't think that's what John um, Stambeck, sorry Dave, Steinbeck, I'm going to be talking about Dave and Adrian, Stambeck, have you read The Grapes of Wrath, Dave? Okay. If you did, he summarizes the lives of too many people with these tragic words. I've presided over literally hundreds of memorial services, and so this quote maybe has more meaning, significance to me than to some of you, but listen. When they died, it was as if they never lived. When they died, it was as if they never lived. I want to appeal to you in this final moment. Do not settle. Do not settle for making no impact. Do not settle for leaving no legacy. Do not settle for affecting no lives. Each of us here today, and that includes you, we have the unspeakable privilege of immersing ourselves deeply and following the example and the command of the Lord by involving ourselves in the greatest movement in history to the point where your burning prayer could come right out of Psalm 67. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let's pray together. Our Father, we want to go deep in the Gospel. Because we know as we do, we will better understand the kind of God that you are and all the price that was paid for our sakes. God, we want to go very, very deep in the gospel that we'll, so that we will soar in the mission that you have given to us. Thank you that in you we are worthy to be your ambassadors. We are worthy to be your mouthpiece. And so God, please, moment by moment, day by day, and as we meet together, consistently saturate us in the truth of the sacrifice Jesus Christ made as your Son on our behalf so that we will grow in our determination to choose the highest possible level of obedience to the very purpose for which you created us. We pray this in our Savior's name. Amen.